Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Hydration. That's how I do. I had to I had to get my Bravo's hat on here. Whoa. You got a tat? No, 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 Bravo's hat. Oh, hat. Chop on, baby. If you guys win tonight, you should get a Bravo's tat. Oh, well, I already have one of those. <laughs> I thought you like a visible one, like either your forehead or your neck. With a date. You should timestamp it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Where you said you were at the game the other night? Mhm. Where were you? Dugout? No. Press no, box. No. <laughs> no. No, I was Scoreboard. up at the I was in the best section. Yeah, from that video you sent, dude, I would say you were in the section that gave life. Exactly. Was it lower we, level? We were no. 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 It was very upper level, which is actually kind of nice because when it was raining, we had like a little bit of an overhang mm. and it actually kept us safe and and dry. But I was up there with the holy polloi with uh, 40,000 of my favorite drinking buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting. It seemed like a that video, man, that seemed like a really classy crowd, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. keeping their distance, too, which is nice. Very. Yeah. We we keeps it classy down there, mm-hmm. yeah. Not classy yeah. So we'll like get them tonight. Place. We'll get them. We'll get them. Come on, Bravos. Let's go, Snit. Let's go. Yeah. That's what I wanted to. Man, I we talked about this on the phone, but Snicker, man, love that guy. He's the Braves Braves manager, small town Illinois boy, growing up. Yeah. So how far away is Macon from Iliopolis, where he's from? I don't know, like 30 minutes or something. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he a player back in the day? Was he like a legend in high school or anything? That I don't know. He there. There's an ESPN writer that wrote a book called One Shot at Forever. It's about a baseball team from Macon that... Uh, Isn't there a, a very famous Macon, Georgia, by the way? Is that just a coincidence? Yeah, there... Well, I don't know if it's very famous, but there's Macon, Georgia. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Macon, Illinois. Now you have. Now I have. But this team in, um, I don't know, probably in the 70s or something, Snicker was on it, and they got second in state, and I think it was before the class system. So it was kind of like a, uh, had they won it, it kind of been would have been like a baseball version of Hoosiers. Mm. But they, I don't think he was the, at least how the book read, he was not like, the, he was good on that team, but he wasn't the star player of of that team but obviously he's pretty good i think he played in the bravo system before he was the manager yeah he was i think he was a catcher for a little while he's been with the braves organization for something like 40 i think it's 46 years that's pretty it's a good testament to the organization it's amazing to stay around that long yeah so he's he's played in their like triple a league some of their uh different farm teams and then managed for them coached for them like just done just about everything, but he looks like a normal guy. He looks like a dad. Yep. He's just a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of has his little spot. He stands there and 
I That's love my, baseball guys. Joe Madden. Yeah. Dusty seeing Dusty Baker, by the way, who was once a Cubs manager. And it's just been the first time I ever saw him was in he managed an all-star game and he does that flipping of the toothpick in his mouth. And it mm. always looks like you're gonna stab your you're gonna ruin your palate I, one of these times. And he was wearing the mask and I'm sure has the toothpick under the mask. <laughs> just a funny idea. But what that guy's been like the idea of the baseball manager is so funny. You're in the you're a fat old guy in a uniform with one leg up on the step, just kind of checking it out, leaning on that metal rail. And the announcer's like, "Man, this is a hard game to manage." And it doesn't look like they're doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's all this like, you know, pitchers for tomorrow and you know, pinch runners and this and that and what's it called, the double switch when you to get in the batting orders and stuff. I mean, it's super complex, especially in the playoffs, but they don't look remarkably like sports guys, except yeah, that they're wearing the uniform. <laughs> it does not look very taxing. I, I still love that. I know we've talked about it before, but that baseball managers yeah. like of any sport, that they're the only ones that wear the team uniform. Right. That's so amazing. It is. Do you imagine the soccer coaches? You know how they like the UK and like the Premier Leagues, they always wear nice suits. If they were just wearing a soccer jersey with shin guards and they never played. Like, I want to see Bill Belichick come out in some football pads. <laughs> Stand there with the helmet. He's got to carry it all the time. Dude. It's funny. Maybe it's because in, have you ever seen Ken Burns' documentary on baseball? It's kind of interesting, the history of baseball, but a lot of the first managers were player managers. So maybe it's mm. from that tradition. Hmm. Hmm. What is it, though, that, like, just, you can you can peg those guys, though, like, hey, this, yeah, he's obviously his playing days are behind him, but, like, this is a baseball guy here. Mm -hmm. Like, what are, what are, what's the essence of a baseball guy? I don't know, what would you say? Oh, I should turn I this know. light off behind me. Hold on one sec. Because there's definitely a, a distinct look to it. There is. I know that people can see the bags under my eyes and the sweet core coffee. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, like when people look at Seabisk, they're like, that's a, that's a coffee shop guy. Yeah, it's not a baseball guy. Yeah. But you have the coffee shop guy, like it's down, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the beanie, it basically, it does it. That's that's you work at a company. Well, I shop. think it's just interesting how people get people get into different subcultures and stuff. But um, I was thinking about it watching the World Series. How you know these are talented, smart, charismatic guys who devote their whole lives to this game that children play. And that's another thing in the Ken Burns thing that they talk about is like how how does it become how is baseball this thing. That is both the thing children play to pass the time on summer afternoons, but it also becomes like the livelihood and the obsession and um, vocation, basically, of so many grown men. Uh, there's something about the game, you know, and that's true. There's a lot of sports like that, but baseball in particular, I think we're talking about the manager with his knee up on the step. There's something like dignified, even though it's so silly that they're playing this game and wearing this uniform and yet it is this beautiful like complicated 
harmonious thing. Um, Wasn't that uh, a few years ago, Baron gave that talk on beauty at the LA conference and didn't, it wasn't one of the, like the things that he cited. um, I, I can't remember the player, but it was some like, like old school, mid nineties, Oakland Raiders, like defensive end or something like that. Like just this huge grizzled football player. And he, he told the story of he was watching the game or something like that. And um, it must have been Madden was announcing. And they showed like a close up of this guy. And he's like, isn't he beautiful? (laughs) (laughs) Because like. I could see John Madden saying that. Because like he is what he should be. Right. You know, in that moment. <laughs> and Madden was a coach. I'm sure he's just like, I would love to coach that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, isn't he beautiful? But there's, but I think Baron held <laughs> it up. His belly hanging like, out. Yeah. Because there, what, what are like the object, objective uh, characteristics of beauty? It's like claritas. Um, I think there's three things. I can't Integritas remember. Integritas and consonantia. Yeah. 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 So you have like, he is, he is who he should be with claritas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think DMAX said that beauty is the, it's like the manifestation of truth, whereas truth is kind of this intellectual thing. Beauty is, makes truth visible, which I think is a nice, so it's all based on ontology, like what you're saying. It is what it should be. Like a church right. is what it should be, or this um, dog is what it should be. That's a beautiful dog. Hmm. You know, like, what's his name? Bailey or? Whoa. Bingley. It's Gable. 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 I'll sick him on you. I know you're a thousand miles away, but he'll find you. Yeah, it's very true. I've got a couple shout outs. One is I was talking, my brother has been catching up on uh, recent casts because he's walking or something or running. And uh, he was texting me about stuff and I was like, check out the show notes. And he goes, whoa, these show notes are baller. So there may be people who are even regular listeners who have not noticed that Megan Ulrich is putting on our descriptions, pretty baller notes, show notes. Um, so a thank you to Megan Ulrich for doing that and check them out. And then the other one was at the end of the episode last time, my cool hat with the Fibonacci sequence, I said Jocelyn. And immediately when I hung up, I was like, it's Jacelyn. I haven't heard anything from anybody. So apparently all those people have stopped listening anyway, but I just wanted to say thank you, Jacelyn, for that beanie. Your conscience is clear now. Yeah, I'm, I've lifted it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send it out into the universe. <laughs> Let it go. We'll get to her somehow. That's amazing. Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, I've been meaning to ask you. I know this is kind of a, a little bit off of the, the sports topic, even though, look, I'll talk about grown men, you know, standing in, in baseball uniforms and dugouts. If I were a unit manager, I'd definitely wear the high socks, by the way, the garter. Or what yeah. is that called? The one, the one that like it just loops under your like the stirrup sock. I know what you're talking That's about. That's the move. We got this guy. Yeah, it, I mean, baseball is it's just any of the any of the prof- professional sports. Uh, it is very interesting that both kids play it, and we pay grown men not just like a little bit of money to play. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like millions. Not just a living wage. Like we'd like to you to just dedicate your life to this sport. So here we'll we'll cover your bills and your food, lodging. Yeah. yeah. We'll make and you millionaires. 
I'm a big proponent, possibly even billionaires. I mean, legitimately, I, I'm a big proponent of Peterson talks a lot about the development of the human person based off of uh, how we learn to interact in social situations, specifically games, that it kind of gives you rules that uh, help you, one, to learn how to play the games in the confines of the rules, but then how to interact with other people mm. in the context of like a team sport going on. And so there's a lot of developmental stuff that takes place. But uh, he even talks about the spirit of the crowd that when you get into a place of, yeah, like Truist Park, we got 40,000 people that get in there who are wild, but all love the game. And the way that like a collective spirit kind of takes over the group so that when you hit the target like he's obsessed with this idea that when you hit the target uh it's this beautiful moment because you're doing what you're supposed to do in the spirit of the game and everybody automatically cheers mm -hmm. and when you miss the target like he goes back to the hebrew hamartia which is the hebrew word for sin uh that like everybody is displeased by it but then you know you hit a home run you hit a dinger oh man mm. Like there is a spirit of goodness and delight that takes over 40,000 people before they even know what's going on, all in, in consonance, all rejoicing together. And so I, I think those sports games, there's a lot at play there. And we kind of go savagely and, you know, rapidly cheering our teams, but uh, it's complicated what's going on. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's it's a pleasure. It's a delight to be a part of it. It is. Yeah. And it's fun too. Like I'm thinking of the bulls run in the nineties, how everybody would become a part of it. No matter if they didn't know what a three pointer was or what, like they didn't have any idea, little kids, people who are not sports fans, like just coming and warming themselves on that energy. Of the, some people are like super obsessed and they can't even enjoy it because they're just too like caught in the weeds of the details of the like every call. <laughs> I remember this guy Trent Schmidt at, at Mundelein was on Three North and he, he was a huge K State fan. And every March Madness it was just like, dude, I don't think you like college basketball. You're never happy when you're watching it, <laughs> <laughs> but you're obsessed. Uh, and then there's the people who come in and they're like, hey, did they kick a touchdown? Which ones are the Bears? <laughs> Um, and they could like, it just is this crowd. What, what was the word you use? The crowd mentality or, um, I don't know. What did I say? I like the spirit, the spirit of the whole or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Spirit of the crowd or something like that where yeah. you can feel like in the Braves game the other night, it's getting later innings. It's, uh, you know, if this guy gets a hit, there's, there's two guys on in running, you know, scoring position. And if he gets a, like everybody kind of has a sense that boy, even like a pop out on a sack fly, like he just needs to get it into the outfield or it becomes like this huge game of anticipation where 40,000 people plus everybody on TV and everybody at the bars is just like, if this guy gets this, then we go up and then we're probably going to win. And, and then if he strikes out, it's just like this, all the air goes out of the place. But if he does get it, like everybody together, is like yeah and that i don't know what that is but that's probably why we pay all these guys money <laughs> it's for those <laughs> moments 
Yeah, I think so. You know. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What do you got stirring there, Rob? Well, this it's such a it's very very tangential, but it's just something that I just watched yesterday that like freaked me out um, very much because there's there's something to that the spirit of the crowd type thing. But uh, did you guys watch any of this stuff? Um, and I don't even understand it, but like apparently Facebook is like metaverse now or something mm. like that. Did you guys watch that? I saw what? some headline. They switched their name, but it's still called Facebook though, right? It's just I, have a- no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea. I read that as like Google is technically called Alphabet, but nobody calls it that. Okay. What is so it? Maybe I don't know what it. any of that means. Well, there was this... Uh, just stay with us, Mike. Apparently, I'm just kidding. There was like a, a keynote by um, who's the CEO of Facebook, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, and yeah, he. Um, I watched like three minutes of it, but he, he was just kind of openly talking about how this is the start of the shift for the internet to be like totally immersive, so that like human connections can can deepen through it. <laughs> um, and so it reminded me of you guys seen the movie uh, Ready Player One you guys know that movie no yes, this is the second time in a couple weeks I've heard it referenced though I should watch Dude, it yeah it was I mean the three minutes of the the keynote thing that I that I watched it reminded me of Ready Player One of like that's kind of what they're going for of like you can create this thing and kind of live in this world and go hang out with your friends in this immersive experience. Um, and so it's, it's interesting because that honestly just seems repugnant Mm -hmm. to me. Um, but I'm also like really worried that they're already so far in my brain that I'll eventually just like have to go, you know, go into the metaverse or whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't want to spiral um, <laughs> here, but uh, but it, like the spirit of the crowd thing, there's something that, um, yeah, I think there's like this danger to it a little bit of like, it, it has to, I don't know, I just, it has to be real, you know, like I want to do that in person. I do not want to evoke that spirit mm. sitting with goggles on, cheering. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I see what you mean. I I thought you were saying that the spirit of the crowd can also get a little bit rowdy, mm-hmm. and uh, we the can like cheer for True. the madness of crowds. Yeah, yeah. but no, you're it, talking about not even want the experience to be at least together, personal with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's the argument. I think that's what's coming of like, no, we can create this like mm-hmm. just by being together virtually. Like you can have the human connection that you crave by going to hang out with these people in your goggles because it's so immersive. <laughs> I'll see you in the goggles. Yeah. Hey, you want to hang out in my goggles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's real. Dude, I, I, can't see it be, I mean, we have so much trouble just every week with the wi-fi getting this video conference to to happen like how is it 
how is everybody going to have such good Wi-Fi that they can all just hang out in the goggles? I don't, I don't know, get dude. it. Dude, all you have to have is Wi-Fi and good Wi-Fi in one room. Yeah, it's true. And then you don't you have don't to have go to anywhere. Move. That's the mm-hmm. whole point. Right. I'm just saying it's like, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of things to be worked out for like their vision for it. But 20 years ago, if you were like, you know, described like FaceTime and Zoom and like all this stuff to people, you'd be like, oh, no way. You know, like no way would we spend four hours a day or whatever looking at a at a screen. Yeah. And here we are. Occurring to me in seminary how we're all all day on our computers. And when I was a kid, people who did that were nerds. <laughs> like, look at that guy with his computer. What a nerd. <laughs> now every person, cool, nerdy, or otherwise, is always on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like us right now. Yeah, I love this that. This is so cool. We, we say that as we're on computer. No, yeah, it's true, man. Um, the, when I first saw that movie, Ready, Ready Player One, which it's actually like kind of a fun, cool movie. I, yeah. I'd like it. There's a lot of homages to like little video games back in the 80s and 90s. And I think it was, it was written as a book first and meant to be nostalgic. Uh, yeah, kind of entering into the video game era. But people in the movie, um, they live their normal lives like in real life so that they can actually live in their video game world. Like their video game avatar is more important than their person. Hmm. And so the the entirety of their time and resources are all consumed in video game land on the internet. Or I, I don't know exactly what it's called. Um, and it seems like that's actually, yeah, that's kind of the direction that we're plugging along mm-hmm. that uh, people's internet avatars they're seen by more people and in a lot of ways become more valuable uh, than actual relationships and interactions and um, even ourselves. Like, yeah, which is a wild thought process, but it I, I could see it definitely happening. The, the ready player one thing. I don't know if we want to go all the way down this road, but. Well, I will say. I'm I think, tracking you, Rob. Yeah. We're, I think we've been to this we're point on the before road. where actually. It's funny because with sports, I'm usually the pessimist and Rob, you're the optimist, but with technology, it's the opposite. Um, I think, so I, I've never seen Ready Player One, but I watched the other night, I watched two AI future movies uh, this past week, Blade Runner and Chappie. You ever seen either of those? Mm-mm. Blade I, saw, I saw Blade Runner. It's classic. It's 1980s. Uh, the, the did you, future did date you it's set the- in is 2019, which is funny. <laughs> you didn't see the remake no but now i okay. want to because i i did enjoy the it's you know like anything in the 80s you think this how did everybody think that this was so exciting even star wars got you know don't email me but it's not the gripping kind of like super actiony driving thing that you kind of expect now which i imagine the remake of blade runner is probably faster and more eye candy but it's that kind of as dingy the way the 80s uh, imagined the 20s the the 2019s is like this gross rainy it's raining the entire time it's dark all the time the cities are just jammed and overpopulated 
and everybody is, you know, a robot or, you know, he's trying to hunt robots or whatever. Um, and it's just this pessimistic kind of dystopian future where AI has, has, um, advanced so far that you can't distinguish between humans and, and robots and, um, they're embodied, they have skin and organs and bleed and all this stuff. It's like, um, the idea of what they thought we would go to is so different, both the environment, like there were no hipsters raising bees in Blade Runner. They just, they just figured, Oh, all humans are just going to become completely like, you know, ingrained in the matrix basically. And here we are in 2021 and it's not ideal. Like we are kind of addicted to our phones, but we all realize that and are kind of fighting against it. And the cities are not overpopulated. And um, we still have bees. And we still have bees, thank God. Um, so, and then Chappie was funny because it's basically a computer nerd who invent who writes a program called consciousness.dat and uploads it into a police robot and he becomes a person, basically. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I preached about it on Sunday because uh, he's like, he interacts with his maker, you know. So what does it mean to love God, your creator? He's... Uh, hmm. like it yeah hmm. but i guess i'm just optimistic like as much as we can imagine oh my gosh we're all gonna if if zuckerberg really accomplishes this thing then we're all gonna be trapped like we're still free you know and human beings at some point will say no mas no i think that's i think it's true to some extent but uh like there's a well i i have no idea what's gonna happen but there's a lot of damage that's done. Uh, and especially like, well, I, I'm not going to get on like the preachy train about tech, but like it warps people's brains, especially young people. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, we're, we're a little bit outside of it. Bear in mind, like we're, we're not exactly, we grew up in a different generation. We're old, dude. Yeah. And so even what's coming through right now is, I mean, it is handled a little bit differently and I think even more immersive than uh, than what we had growing up. Well, for sure, more than what we had growing up. But yeah, there's a lot of advantages um, to it. But here, I got a question. Maybe this will direct the combo. I know we only got a little bit, a little bit longer, but Rob, why do you think the group, that crowd experience, um, why do you think it does have to be real? Like, why don't you think that a technological connection with a group, why, do, why don't you think that's sufficient? I don't know. I don't, I don't have a word. And maybe that's, maybe that's like the, the fear that is coming out in, in the pessimism of like, I do think that is in a lot of ways, like probably sufficient to like, to continue to go to. So there's this like reaction in me of like, oh man, I don't want that. Um, and so, cause I, I think that could be just like very, very enticing, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so, I mean, I think you could look at it in much like, um, different ways, but take when we, we we were out in Santa Barbara what like in May or something was that May yeah mm-hmm. and I remember thinking then of like the fruit of that whole 
kind of retreat time out there was just honestly like super fun, like meals and kind of just getting to be around Baron, which is awesome as always, but just like hanging out with you guys. And so there's something different, which this is such an obvious point, but like there's just something different about that than even being able to like chat once a week and like see each other like this, which is a huge grace. It's just not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's true. Like had, um, you know, like having this type of access as great as it is, is the drawback is like, we probably don't work as hard to, to see each other in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you take that as like a microcosm then of, I think like what, what can happen or like what, like I just see in myself, honestly, um, there that it does, it becomes like, it becomes easier. I mean, think of so many realms, like, you know, you know, someone, um, like it, it, man, it's, it's way easier to like, you know, just to FaceTime like this person in, in the nursing home as, as instead of like taking an afternoon to go and see them mm. and like be with them. Yeah. And so it's like, it's all those little things that the, like the accumulation of it's like, wow, that is actually way less human. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I was getting at there. Yeah. Yeah. Coupled with the, the feeling like, no, I think this is, this is sufficient. You know, it's, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it actually does kind of satisfy, but it's not the same thing. And we right. can get used to lesser goods pretty dang quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's always mixed in of like, it is better than nothing, which is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like part of the enticement is the truth that is that is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of, uh, we were watching, me and Tim were watching some show on Hulu for a little bit. And a lot of the... Um, the advertisements were for like delivery services, you know, it was just so clear that the people they were advertising to were those who like work from home, did everything at home, you know, were trying not to go out and were probably single, didn't have dependents. And they just like, could eat carry out every night? And, you know, they had enough income. And it just was like the, the picture of the person that it painted in my head that, they are picturing, which maybe is somewhat me. Like I do eat out a lot because I don't like to cook, but, um, but I need to get out of my house, you know, like it was just so I had such an aversion imagining their target demographic, which is like tech or, you know, businessy kind of thing where you can basically meet everybody that you work with virtually. You don't have to live in the same city as your company. You're just on your computer all Mm -hmm. day. Then mm-hmm. you can, and then you, you know, the whole good screen, bad screen, you know, like I, I go to work all day and stare at my bad screen so I can go home and look at my good screen. Um, <laughs> th- that I don't want that. Um, that I said, that. I do go to good screen a lot. Um, and since retreat, I've been one of the things that's helped me a lot is, um, I mean, honestly, relational prayer, A-R-R-R, that whole uh, IPF thing. Um, if you, It's it's interesting because the, the relationship is kind of chicken or egg. 
you know, relating to God in a truly relational way um, and not kind of a box checking way helps you relate to other human beings in a more relational way, a more human way and vice versa. You know, the more you are relating to human beings and being like actually loved and loving in, a, in an embodied and human way where you're spending time with people and actually knowing them, attending to them, the more you can do so with God. And it's not just like, I'm treating God like this thing I need to either appease and do do something for, like I need to say my prayers, I need to read my breviary or whatever, or like a therapeutic kind of dopamine button, like Netflix or Facebook or whatever, where I just go to him because I'm not feeling good. And I'm like, ah, okay, maybe I need to say a rosary to, to calm myself down or something, but rather actually opening up into the vulnerability of, of relationship. Um, which does like going to the nursing home and seeing somebody and actually spending time with them is a more human thing, but it's a more risky thing because maybe you'll be bored and maybe you'll get hungry and the food at the nursing home sucks. And you're like, you're just like way more exposed than if you're at your home in your little hermetically sealed thing with your Instacart and your Hulu and everything you need to always have your stuff the way you like it. And it all, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Cause it also, it just simply requires giving something else up to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, um, there is at some level, there's like a confrontation, confrontation with contingency there too, as well as like, no, I am, I have this much time to like have this many relationships with this many people, like in person. And to go and see this person, it will cost me a whole afternoon yeah. of not returning emails and yep. not, you know, watching this sick 1980s movie. Right. Dude, sick. Awesome. <laughs> dude, that's the best way to describe a 1980s movie. It was sick. Dude. I think it's <laughs> radical. It was turbulent. It. It's tubular. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it yeah, you, you just can't do everything. And maybe that's a part of what adds to the enticement of technology is it does give a facade that we're capable of handling more than we actually are. And so like even the way we internalize information and take in news, like I'm not actually capable of understanding the torrent of information that's zinging at me. In the same way, like I can't interact with a thousand people at once. That's just not real. Right. That I... I I can barely take in you two for like 30 <laughs> minutes. You know, it's, it's like, I, I gotta handle. be, I gotta be totally zoned in for that. I'm exhausted. And, and even still like you could be face to face with somebody and you could still not have a, like you're saying a, a deeply authentic, um, relational interaction there. Like even there's ways, even face to face that it's tough. And, and so to be totally invested in, with one person, I think that's a pretty dang big task in and of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to say like, no, I have thousand friends. That's so many people. <laughs> yeah. You had 40,000 friends at the game though close that's the thing with the crowd thing too as well because we do i think we do have this infinite desire to relate and we want to be 
that unity it, it can be disordered with the mob mentality but i think in the ordered cosmic way where in the restored creation in the heavenly kingdom there will be a univocity of like everybody that's got to be some kind of foreshadowing of what heaven is like that moment where it's just like he hits the grand slam and that's what we needed miguel montero against the giants 2016 just like that moment we, that's why you play baseball for 162 games for absolutely and and the thing it's like the uh it was anselm where he's ta- he's gripped by something else and it's like that crowd is something takes a hold of the crowd yeah it, it's not like the crowd like gets together like okay this is our plan okay we're gonna mm-hmm. it has it to be it, surprising we're all just gonna go nuts mm-hmm. no it's like something takes over the group and thanks be to God, in this case, it was like a spirit of goodness and rejoicing in the success of another. Uh, but there, there's something objectively happening from mm-hmm. the outside to us, you know, and so like gripped by the spirit of love. I think that's, that's the Holy Spirit that through Christ aims us to the Father. And, and if that's not a vision of like the heavenly Jerusalem, everybody being caught up and the goodness and the beauty and the truth of what we're all perceiving and taking in, gripped by the spirit of love that directs our praise. That's meant to be the mass as well. Yeah. Way less beer drinking at mass. Yeah. Yeah. That helps the, the sobriety of the of the spirit. Mm. Yep. Literally and figuratively. All right. It's 7.30. Get this heart out and it yeah i do like the wi-fi is getting slow all right dudes have a good day follow free dogs north on instagram three dogs north are juice sea bisque and michael metz Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.